Welcome to Make Ceremony Matter More, where life cycle celebrants talk shop. Brought to you by Funeral Radio. And now your host, Cindy Neely Spence. Today we welcome Linda Berger, life cycle celebrant serving the Lancaster, Pennsylvania area. Welcome, Linda. Hi, thank you so much. I feel honored to be here with you today. It's great that you are able to join us. As a celebrant, you have created a wide range of end-of-life ceremonies. Today we will discuss your creative approach to working with those who pre-plan their ceremonies and also your approach to weaving together ritual for people who face a sudden tragic loss. You have some rich experiences at both ends of this planning spectrum. You've been involved in pre-planned funeral ceremonies. Tell us about the ceremony you pulled together for the family that thought everything was planned. Well, I think this is probably a more common scenario than many might think because a lot of people do know and think ahead to plan their ceremony or to plan, uh, pre-plan what their funeral arrangements and they go to the funeral home and they've bought a plot and they've paid for the services, the casket and whatever, you know, cremation, whatever they've decided to use as a way of, uh, handling their remains. But what they haven't done is thought about their ceremony. And I ran into a situation where I ran into an acquaintance at the grocery store and she seemed all flustered and I said, what's going on? And, and she shared with me that her great aunt had passed away and she had been told that everything was taken care of and only to find out that, yes, it was all paid for, but the trustee that handled her aunt's affairs because her, her great aunt was 100 years old and never had any children had called her and asked her, um, how she was going to handle planning the, the memorial service. And she was just totally shocked that this was falling on her lap. And, and this was like a Monday afternoon, and the service was scheduled to be on Friday, and she actually was an international flight attendant and was leaving the next morning and was going to be out of the country from Tuesday through Thursday evening. Wow. And as she was telling me the story, she was like, she looked at me, and she's like, oh, my gosh, this is what you do, Linda. Can you help me? <laughs> And I said, sure. <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. You're so right. we, uh, yeah, so she ended up calling me that evening. She actually lives in York County and a different, uh, you know, ways away from here. But the service was to be here in Lancaster. And um, we talked a little bit about her aunt. But now keep in mind, this was her great aunt. She's 100 years old, had no children. So my friend knew her and knew of her, but not in depth. I mean, you know, we're talking about a 40-year-old woman and a 100-year-old woman and um, different layers of family, and a lot of those stories had been lost. And and then, you know, to add to it, she's saying, well, my aunt wasn't religious, so we don't want any religion. Nobody wants to talk or share. We don't know or want any music necessarily. Um, and, and you're kind of like, and, and she didn't know that much about her, which that's kind of, uh, you know, as a celebrant, you're like, okay, what do you want? You don't want music. You don't want this. You don't want that. Um, I can stand up there and pontificate about death for a long time, but I really wanted to know more about this woman, Margaret. So when the going gets tough, the tough get going. I said, look. I'm going to figure this out. You go have, <laughs> you know, go to work a nice time and, and touch base with me because, you know, as part of the celebrant um, services, I always give a 
a copy of the service for review to the client before the service because especially in a situation like this, I just want to make sure that this ceremony met their needs. So she left and I thought, well, I'm going to call the bank trustee that handled this woman's affairs. And here it turns out that this woman, Margaret, and her husband were, um, because they didn't have any children and they had made quite a bit of wealth in their lifetime, through the years they had been giving a lot of their money away philanthropically to different uh, entities in Lancaster County. And so that was my touchstone of where I was going. And I ended up contacting the YMCA, the Pediatric Center, um, the hospital, different places where they had had donated money and found out about those projects and what their legacy was. And also how they made their money was um, he was really involved in archery and selling archery supplies. And in fact, they met at an archery range at the YMCA. And so I developed a theme around archery and um, found a reading uh, about uh, called the archer's promise or something. And it was about, uh, and I wove it into the ceremony being that their life, her life met the mark and her aim was true and how they created a legacy in our county. And they really did. And I was even able to reach out to um, a young woman who, as part of one of the things they had created, trusts for scholarships at both of our hospitals. And the, the trust funds for these scholarships was not aimed at academic success. It was looking for people in the community that might have unfortunate circumstances, uh, an unwed mother or, or whatever, and that would give an opportunity for somebody to step up in life and take care of themselves. And so I was able to interview somebody and find out how their life was really changed and touched by the ability to have an education and a career because of what this family provided through their uh, generous donations to the community. Now, what did your client think when you sent that draft ceremony? Oh, she was amazed. I mean, because half of it, I was telling her things that she never knew about her aunt. And even the trust fund manager was like, wow, that was amazing. Um, and it was kind of a nice thing because Lancaster is a conservative area and, and a lot of this money that was donated, nobody ever knew about. It was donated anonymously. So it was a little glimpse of being able to acknowledge what this couple created through their lifetime of hard work and how generous they were and the mark you know, the bark that they truly did leave here in Lancaster with their hard work. So it was rewarding. What a beautiful gift to give to that family. Now, you're currently working on a ceremony for an individual that will be honored from a pre-planning perspective. Right. And I've, I'm kind of have my hands on a couple little things like that but one of them that comes to mind that I did a complete almost complete ceremony for is uh, two years ago about this same time a woman young woman called me and said her mother was in the hospital and was soon going to pass and could I meet with her to get this started and I did and we we wrote out a you know I got pretty much my ceremony uh, faxed down and sent her the draft as it was I still had to have the opportunity to interview the woman's current husband um, and by the time I sent it to her she said well you know what gosh mom is feeling a little better now is there a chance you'd be willing to meet with her and we could go over this together and I said absolutely so we um, we sat down and um, 
you know, it was kind of funny because it was awkward at first, but once the this woman got into, and her name is Karen, seeing that she uh, had control, boy, she had ideas, and she was kind of excited at the process. And I think that's the part that um, a lot of people are missing the opportunity on in terms of pre-planning is, one, their family is very grateful to be able to create a ceremony and include things that they know mom would have loved this song or mom liked this reading. It really adds a layer of meaning to know that the person who's deceased cared for something and it was was meaningful and symbolic to include the ceremony. So yeah, so this Karen and I and her daughter worked further and I incorporated her beliefs and it got pretty um, interesting and exciting. This woman is a potter and one of the ideas we had is she wanted to do the ceremony. Her dad has an arboretum. She loves trees and being outdoors. And so, um, but as a potter, she wanted to create a vase. And during the ceremony, have people come forward with either blossoms or tree branches and put them in the vase and um, and kind of like a flower communion and say blessings for the gift of her life uh, that Karen was in their life. But she wanted to create this vase and she had was going to do this over the holidays with her family and she was going to roll out the clay and use wishbones turkey wishbones and things like that from because I guess that creates a glaze in the clay when you put it in there and she was going to have uh, them be able to say wishes and she was going to be able to say wishes to her family and gifts that they had been in her life and create this glazed piece of pottery to be used in the ceremony. What a wonderful idea. Yeah. That is so rich. <laughs> and it it. It takes a lot on a celebrant side, or I guess on the human side, to be able to sit with someone and pre-plan with the individual you're going to honor. But as you said, it's such an opportunity for each of us to be able to have a voice in that ceremony. It can be so wonderful for the people who attend. Yes, and like, and this woman, um, real free-spirited hippie chick, she um, she wanted to kind of do a Bob Marley thing. Theme and she likes the song One Love and she wanted that to be played and she even suggested that maybe would I be offended if some of her guests were uh, partaking in smoking some marijuana <laughs> and you know it, it, I said it's your ceremony, your day I, I won't be able to do that but I certainly if that's what you need and you want that's your thing <laughs> so it's all planned and it'll be a matter of when it comes through to fruition that exactly. sounds That'll be a beautiful treat. On the opposite end of this ceremony scale, can you please share with us your approach to creating a ceremony for the tragic death of a gentleman that really didn't have close family? Well, I have um, had the honor of working with several families that have um, had to deal with suicide, murder, and sudden deaths. And it always adds another layer of issues because there's um, the they didn't have the chance to say goodbye sometimes there's guilt or forgiveness and different things and um, the death that we're speaking of is a gentleman named Tom who didn't have a close family in the area he only had a distant relative um, from the Midwest and so when he made the choice to end his life it came to his friends as the people that were going to create ceremony and they did such a wonderful job because 
unfortunately, um, although his life wasn't rich in family, it was very rich in friendships. And he was part of a uh, what they called a spirit circle that met every two weeks with these friends. And so these friends got together and decided to create the ceremony with me. And we did it in a barn on this property that's actually, um, it's called Gnome Countryside. And this uh, it's this land where people come and this man tells magical yarns about gnomes and things like that. But he has this beautiful barn when there's a big stone fireplace in it. And we um, it was very casual. It was kind of a potluck thing. People were invited to bring food for sharing afterwards. But came in and we... Um, the sharing circle that they do is Native American based. So we started it with some, um, calling the directions, the four directions, which is a Native American theme, calling in the spirits and setting the sacred space. Um, we had drumming and it was a nice, slow, steady beat earth beat kind of thing that set the tone and um, one of the important things of the, the talking circle that they do is passing this talking stick amongst the people in attendance and everybody shares something um, from their personal lives how spirit moves them and things like that so that was really instrumental to the ceremony is allowing everybody present if they felt called to do so to have an opportunity to talk with uh, everyone and share how Tom touched their lives. And especially given the, the nature and the friendships, they, of course, had their sense of, of needing to process and understand why and how it happened, but also really honoring what a wonderful man this was. Um, and so they had... Uh, all different kinds of things to share, as you can imagine, ranging from their emotions about his choice to commit suicide to just hilarious, hilarious stories. This is the man who branded munchkins for Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> and, and I mean, he, he just, uh, he had a very long, uh, look, led a large, colorful life. And so there were a lot of fun, fun stories that were shared, a lot of tears, a lot of laughter. And so that was really healing for everybody to be able to part of the ceremony. It, it sounds like you really held the space as a celebrant to allow for that diversity of emotion. Um, what a beautiful thing you've done there. Now, Linda, how? Um, just taking a look on how? Do, what is your best source for your new clients? How do how do your clients find their way to you? Well, I've been doing this in my community for about five years now. And so, first of all, um, most of the funeral directors know me, and they know the type of work I do. And so they, they know I'm a professional, and they can count on me, and they'll provide a quality service that reflects well on their funeral home and provides the service that they want to provide to their client base. So um, that's my first, probably most source, but also, having done as many funerals as I've done, a lot of the um, referrals I get are people that attended services I've done, have seen it and said, wow, that was awesome. I want to have a service like that. And then when uh, a death does occur, they, um, they, they normally call the funeral home where I was at to find out my contact information. And um, 
So that's a wonderful way to weave them back to you. Now, how have your clients responded to your work? Can you share some examples for us? Oh, well, I mean, I've been referred to as a funeral rock star. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They, they, you know, it's hard to be too, I like to be humble, but I can say I do a wonderful job and my families that I work with have always been very pleased and they're just amazed that I go the distance that I do to create a a personalized and meaningful ceremony. I mean, it's my usual intake interview is two to three hours when I meet with a family. And then, you know, for me to write a ceremony uh, and, and sometimes I have to call, as I talked about in that one scenario, many people to get a full eulogy and to get what I need to create the ceremony. So they realize the hours that I put into it. And so I get thank you notes. I've gotten thank you gifts. I've gotten um, tips and, and um, you know, but mostly it's just a lot of gratitude. And, and I'm happy to have provided a service for them and met a need that um, lots of times these families, they just don't know what to do. They think, well, I don't have a, a faith community and, uh, you know, they don't know what to do and they think they're going to do nothing. And then I come in and I make magic happen for them. And that's really meaningful for me and for them. Those are just beautiful words. Thank you, Linda. I'd like to thank you for joining us and sharing your experiences as a life cycle celebrant. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be with everybody. And listeners, a link to Linda's website is on the webpage for this podcast. Uh, Linda, thank you for joining us at Make Ceremony Matter More. Thank you.